How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to Lockdown Bucks presented by brewhoop.com. This is episode five. I'm Eric Name. And as always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. It is still Saturday. Frank is still in Las Vegas. Um, I was I was kind of thinking about this, and I was hoping there was like going to be like a really dark timeline where like all of a sudden this episode it would be like Monday, and Frank is still in Vegas. And we're I get lost to, like, in a I get lost in an all you can eat buffet in the Venetian <laughs> or something like that, and I just can't find my way out. Yeah, I've been able I've been able to talk to him on the phone a couple times, but we haven't been able to Skype again. I don't know where Frank is. Yeah. So last night I was amazed. I went out with some of the SB Nation guys and we parked at the MGM Grand and then we're trying to find some place to eat. And we ended up walking to the Monte Carlo, I think. And I was like, we're never finding that car again. Uh, but we, <laughs> we eventually did. I, I actually did get lost. I, th- I think last year, Andrew Sharp, Mike Levin from Liberty Ballers, you know, Andrew, most people now know from SI, Grantland. Um, we were maybe roaming around the Hard Rock or something. I don't know. We were someplace, and it. I think it took us like 15 minutes, 20 minutes to find our car. And it, it, it wasn't even that big of a parking garage. So I feel like if people like us who were stone cold sober were, <laughs> were getting lost, I can't even imagine how many drunk random people are, you know, mistakenly trying to think they can drive home and 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 whatever so anyway when i was in um, vegas i I got lost trying to go to shake shack i couldn't find the (laughs) shake shack um which which was kind of disappointing but super exhilarating once i did find it yeah it had a payoff so we're continuing with our mailbag from twitter um and we've talked about thon maker and the bucks sort of summer league guys in our uh episode on Monday we talked about Greg Monroe and centers and Miles Plumley yesterday and now we're going to get into kind of the rest of the, kind of the big picture like kind of rest of the roster so we had some questions um, from Eric asked how are Bucks going to fill out the roster uh, in the same vein um, kind of getting a little bit tangential question uh, Wombat is the best asked us and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the voice that I imagine him him asking it with um, so he, he asks us on Twitter, uh, who is the backup SF on this team? Is the bench unit going to be three guards all the time? That's pretty good. So that, that may or may not be what he was trying to go for. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, to answer that piece first, I, I mean, I think the Bucks can use another swingman, you know, kind of like rando shooter dude, cheap rando shooter who you hope doesn't have to play very much. Um you know they have maybe four to six million in cap space plus the Plumley holds. So, I mean, again, they could have maybe nine, ten million if they renounce Miles Plumley, but uh, you know they don't want to do that. So I, I expect Plumley to be back. So, uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who exactly they might go after. I don't know if they actually would sign uh, a swingman. They could again go for yet another kind of you know combo guardish type guy. Um, but I, I actually think that's sort of a secondary thing because, I mean. Jabari, Giannis, and Middleton are arguably all best suited to 
defending small forwards. Um, and I'm going to view it through the lens of, of you know, defense because I'm, I'm as as people by now probably know, I am a you are what you would defend guy. Man, I wish so, I had I wish I had a Billy McKinney drop right there to just throw in there because he loves that one. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really see it as a huge deal. Um, and I apologize. I'm night near McCarran Airport, so you may hear planes flying by uh, occasionally. But uh, but I, I actually don't think that you're going to see, you know. 24 minutes of three guard lineups simply because uh you know if you have Giannis Jabari Milton one of those guys has to be on the court at all times and I think if you know for instance Middleton's out there by himself he's going to be the small forward and you probably are going to have you know two of the other guards playing the guard spots so um and the other piece too is if you have you know only one of those guys out there then I think you're also going to have Toledovich out there playing the four so so I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily a huge deal. I think certainly if they get injuries and you'll see, you know, guys who are shooting guards, guys who are combo guards, maybe seeing some minutes at the three. But I think especially in bench units, uh, that doesn't matter as much because, you know, typically you don't, you know, you don't have, you're not going to put those guys out there when LeBron is, you know, playing small forward or something like that. So I, get- I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as worried, but I do agree that the Bucks could use probably another guy at least kind of capable of playing the three i think my response to who is the backup small forward would be Giannis, jabari and chris <laughs> like they are the backup small forward it just it seems like you said it seems completely illogical that one of those three isn't on the floor at all times um and obviously we mentioned it kind of in the last one where um, in the last pod where we talked about staggering and how that could all work. Obviously, Jabari and Toledovich both not playing any defense at all kind of hurts the staggering, but that just means when Toledovich is in there, it's got to be Middleton or Giannis uh, that's defending small forwards. So I, there are some kind of confusing parts of the staggering, but I think for the most part, those one of those three should be on the floor at all times, and if not, the Bucks are failing in like in regards to line of construction because it just doesn't make any sense that yeah you have enough minutes it's not trying to keep one of two guys on the floor at all times it's trying to keep one of three guys on the floor at all times that's that should not not, that should not be difficult for an nba coach to to comprehend and to make happen so if that does happen and i i'm gonna regret saying this but if it does happen that one of those three isn't on the floor at some point feel free to flood my twitter timeline with complaints about it because it it just shouldn't happen so for the most part i'm not super concerned about the backup small forward position let's say just because they have so many guys that kind of do that um but like you said i wouldn't be surprised if a swing man kind of guy is is signed it's just interesting to try to think about how the capital work and what kind of contract Plumley gets and how much money they'd be able to give that other person and then also would they actually spend it on a swingman or is it is it just uh is it just a guard or is it a power forward that can actually defend and then you can actually do some things but then at the same time you're cutting into, into Toledovich's minutes so there's certainly some interesting questions there as far as roster construction would kind of work out uh, for the Bucks in that remaining spot. And I do say remaining because I said, I don't even know how many podcasts ago, that I'm at about 90% that Steve Novak is coming back. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm almost 
almost wanting to bump that up to 95%. It, it just seems like an inevitability. I don't know if if you're getting a different vibe at all in Las Vegas or anything, but to no, me that I just... No, I'm not getting a different vibe at all. <laughs> I, think, I think Novak, they, I think they, they want to bring Novak back, and he basically said he this is where he wants to be, so I, I, think, uh, I think they'll figure out a way. I think Plumlee will come back. I think Novak will come back. And I think, you know, the question then is the 15 spot, as you said, you know, is, is do they go for a three, do they go for a two, what do they do? Um, you know, I don't know if they expect Plumlee to, you know, or, or sorry, I don't know if they really expect Novak to, to play with any, yeah. you know, at all, basically. But uh, if you bring back Novak as well, that, that means, you know, you've got to, he's basically kind of an old version of Toledovich in some yeah. ways because he's pretty much just a stretch four who doesn't, you know, play defense. You have to hide him on defense. Yeah, I almost so, just, he's, he's a team ambassador. He's not yeah. like an actual player. Yeah. Like you're he's not calling a, him for NBA a, He'll be, you know, Giannis's shooting coach. He'll make his, yeah, sure. make Giannis's jumper less snowflakey. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a deep is, cut. I, yeah. So I, and I guess, I mean, this is again, with this is, we can turn this into a wormhole, obviously, of saying, like, oh, who should they go after with their their that last roster spot? Um, you know, again, I mean, the the Plumlee cap hold means they don't they can make do that last. So even if they agree a deal with Plumlee, I mean, unless he signs an uh, an offer sheet somewhere and kind of forces their hand, uh, you know, they can wait if they agree on a deal, a multi year deal with Plumlee, then they can kind of wait on that, and then they'd have you know the full depending on what the Toledovich and the Olvidova deals if they were declining or rising could be four, five, six million in cap space, plus they have the two point nine million dollar room exception. So they've got, you know, a couple different ways they can they can sign a guy for that last spot. Um and we discussed in advance some of the stuff. Uh and I'm gonna ask you, Eric. <laughs> and I this is we don't argue much, but we're about to we're about to kind of throw down a little yeah. bit. Eric, tell me who you would consider signing with that that extra bit of cash as as some depth at the two three spots. So let me get Just a, lay it on us. No, let me get a disclaimer first. I will say oh, I can't. Put no, I can't up. imagine in a million years that the organization would ever do this because they're they're not idiots. Correct. That's really Correct. what that means. But you're an idiot, so you're going to bring this <laughs> up. Okay. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Born ready, Lance <laughs> Stevenson. Um, that would <laughs> that would be. Like I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just drawn to Lance Stevenson. I, it, I know it doesn't make any sense, but man, I just think of Indiana Lance Stevenson, and I know that guy hasn't really been around, but he was kind of around for a month in Memphis at the end of the year. Um, and man, he's just when he's good, he's so freaking good but when is he is he, is he so freaking good? i really do think so like if he shoot like if he can shoot like 35 percent, he can create a little bit off the dribble like you're getting another playmaker you're getting a good defender like i i like good lance but for as good as i think good lance is that's as bad as bad lance is um yeah. so again like that's not it's never gonna happen but i would be lying if as i went through the cbs sports free agency tracker and saw the guys that weren't signed i didn't go huh, when I saw Lance Stevenson, because I did. <laughs> I, I went, huh, and thought, he's not signed yet. That's kind of interesting. Um, so, again, I don't think it should ever happen, and you can go on your anti-Lance rant. But I have some other ideas as I look through this uh, that I can add. Yeah, so I've been – I was strongly anti-Lance after he – after his good good season uh, in Indy when he was a free agent. I just did not want any part of him for personality reasons and – ball dominance reasons and 
thinking that he can do more than he can reasons. And, and again, that makes total sense. Yeah. And so I, I just don't want him anywhere near, you know, our little group of nice, uh, you know, good hearted, <laughs> moral, you know, quality young players. Uh, and maybe you could make the argument that the Bucks now are so overloaded with character guys that you could actually have like a you got a guy, lunatic. You need a wild card dance. in there. Wild card yeah. to shake it up a little bit. Total wild card. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want a wild card. So I, I'm, I didn't. No, I don't want. I mean, I, I totally admit Lance is way more talented than the average fifteenth man. He's going to be more talented than you know certainly what his contract suggests, but. Uh, you, I no, no. You, we've made this. It's become such a big deal getting these character guys and building, you know, guys who play the right way, and especially the way he was able to play and be just like a total madman playing with that like D League yeah. team that Memphis had at the end of the season. I just don't want him coming in, and you know, no. So anyway, no. All right, no let me Lance, let me throw you some. Other, let me throw there? you some other names that are on. Again, we're we're gonna go through the top 100 list of guys that. Uh, they have the people that are signed, but also the people that aren't signed. Um, people that may potentially be interesting. Um, let's go with Hollis Thompson. How do you feel about Hollis Thompson? Okay. Is he restricted? I thought he – is he restricted free agent? He, I, I thought – I had gotten the impression the Sixers would bring him back. Um, I think he shot the three pretty well last year. Uh, so, I, I mean, I would be fine with him. I just don't think he's uh, – I thought he was going to stay in, in Philly. Okay. But anyway, Alan we'll, Anderson. I would be fine with Alan Anderson. He's, you know, kind of like crusty old sort of shooter type guy. Uh, I think he might be coming off an injury plague season, but, you know, for a little money, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, let's see. I got a couple more. Uh, Mata Yunus. Yeah, so Mata Yunus, I mean, to me, I don't even think about him just because I, I, I view him as like a even more extreme than Plumley. I mean, I don't think the Rockets would – not match pretty much any number and so i think you know basically the bucks would have to renounce Plumley, and then you know maybe they could have 10 or 11 million in cap space to throw at him but i think the rockets match any deal like that um because look they just paid brian anderson 80 million dollars i mean why would you not pay demo so so um, i don't i just don't okay. think he's a realistic target brandon bass you know i like brandon bass last year i just don't think he is as needed this year because he already signed Toledovich. So I actually like Brandon Bass. I just don't know how you really fit him in with minutes, especially because I think I'd like to have Thon Maker as kind of my like wild card, you know, power forward when guys get injured, throw Thon into the mix type guy. And if you have Brandon Bass, then like Thon's pretty much not going to play at all at the four. Um, so I, I actually like Brandon Bass, but I think I don't think I'd go after him at this point. I have a feeling I know how this one will go. Marcus Thornton buckets um uh you know i watched thornton a bit because my wife's a rockets fan and we suffered together through the bucks and Rockets seasons last year and thornton was fine for them i thought it was interesting though that like they traded him detroit with demo and then when the traders rescinded they were like all right get out of here <laughs> yeah because he wasn't he wasn't terrible i don't know he's i mean he's a gunner he could be okay but i don't i don't know his personality well enough to really want to go after him uh quincy ac he just signed i think oh did he just sign him yeah and plus he's he's i mean he's again another kind of motor four guy so um markel brown brown is kind of interesting uh you know i think it'd be it's a little bit of a red flag that i think i think 
the Nets rescinded his qualifying offer. Like, if the Nets don't want you and you're not old, then that's a bit worrying. Uh, he's a great athlete, kind of a, you know, mo- mostly a two guard. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're worse guys, but. Alonzo G or Gee. I'm not, I, I'm still G. not sure how it goes. Yeah, G. G. I feel like he always played well against the Bucks. He's, he's fine. He's a guy. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got. So, out of that, out of that pile of guys, who are you taking? Um, <laughs> I don't know, Alonzo G or Alan Anderson. Is that, I don't know. These guys are like, yeah, these aren't guys that you're, you're signing to play. So, um, uh, yeah, not, not great, great options. And we didn't even talk about Mo Harkless cause I think the Nets, I don't understand why the Nets haven't given him a, a big offer sheet at this point. Although I wasn't even really aware until I started seeing free agent rankings that Mo Harkless became like decent last year. And yeah. And, but apparently that that was a thing. Ooh. Um, uh, no, never mind. I was. Let me let me give you my let me give okay. you my uh, like way too complicated three way trade idea. Yeah. So I've been talking about Jeremy Lamb since draft night or right before draft night when the rumor started that Charlotte wanted to get rid of his contract, which is three years, twenty one million. So I mean, it's not a big contract. He did not shoot well last year, but he was like one of the best defensive RPM swingmen. He isn't old. I think he's like what, 24 or something like that. Good size. You know, I, I don't know. Is Jeremy Lamb ever going to be good? Mm, Maybe not. Yeah. But, you know, again, I mean, could he be like a Mo Harkless guy who goes from being like given away to being decent? I think he could be. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, I actually think it would be interesting if if you're going to do like a Monroe deal, which I think we all are searching for a Monroe deal that isn't just a giveaway. How about like Monroe to the Knicks, Kylo Quinn to the Bucks, Lamb to the Bucks, and then I don't know, the Knicks have to take on Spencer Hawes' salary or something like that too. I don't know, something like that. Uh, I think that might be interesting because that way you get two potentially useful guys that fill some role uh, in Milwaukee. I mean, O'Quinn's got like a very cap friendly deal. Uh, you could bury him on the bench and he's not really going to say anything or you could play him and he might be decent. He's always been kind of an advanced stat darling. Yeah. And Lamb, like I said, is a low cap number. Young could still be a decent player. Like to me, that would be a good way to kind of cap off the summer. I approve of your trade. Yeah. So anyway, um, okay. We've talked a lot about that stuff. Um, what are we, what are we at here, Eric? What are we at in this podcast for, for time? We're, we're, we're trying to, we, we've been really good and disciplined about doing 30 minute podcasts. 18 minutes. 18 minutes. Okay. Um, this is a big one. Um, so we may be opening a can of worms. Um, but prediction time. So our friend Dan Schaefer asked the Bucks place in the Eastern conference, which team should the Bucks be better than in 16, 17? Likewise, Kai Hedstrom asked, what is a realistic floor and ceiling for the Bucks this season? Eastern Conference overview question mark and Pat Smoltz asks, excluding bad injuries, what is the worst case scenario for this team? Best case, so you know all kind of questions getting at how good this Bucks team can be, and it's a little unfair because again, I mean, if I'm in road trade or something else. I mean, all these things can sort of change these things. But let, let's start with the most basic thing. Are there any teams that you feel are a lock to be worse than the Bucks this year in the East? Who who would you put in that category? Ooh, that's good. Um, I'd go with the Nets. Yes, correct. Um, I want to say the Sixers. Say the Sixers. Um, I'll say the Sixers. It's the Sixers. <laughs> I, I picked out those two as well. Um, and then I think I, I think it, I I kind of looked at it as 
the teams below them that for sure and the teams above them for sure. And the only teams that I would kind of pick out is definitely being above them are Cleveland, obviously, and then I think Boston and Toronto are the sort of the teams that are likely to battle for the two, three spots. And and obviously, like if Boston makes you know a Westbrook trade or something like that, then they'll be you know even higher up. But I don't think there's a scenario where the Celtics are not you know sniffing kind of 50 wins, especially adding Horford and you know getting a, I think a little bit deeper and a year more experience with some of their young guys. So I, I think those three are definitely above them. I think those two are definitely below them. And then I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's such a it's such an interesting question because I think for me. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Bucks' ceiling wasn't in sort of the high 30s just because I think last year was in a lot of ways sort of a worst-case scenario in terms of what they got out of guys and how guys fit together uh, and sort of how the season kind of got away from them at the end of the year when they you know, were playing the young guys. Just, Interesting. And, and I, I don't mean the Bucks' good young guys. I mean the bad young guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J.O.B. and Inglis and Rashad Vaughn was starting and, and all those guys were getting tons of minutes. I mean, it kind of got away from them last year a little bit. So I think the Bucks' floor is sort of high 30-ish. And I think, I don't know where their ceiling is. I don't know. What do you, I mean, what do you think their ceiling is? Like, is could they win mid-40s next year? High 40s? I don't even want to say 50, but what do you think? That Yeah, that's the ceiling, 50. Okay. Like, I guess I'm kind of, I've been driving this one home since, I don't even know when it would be, our podcast with Jeremy, I suppose, um, from Bucksketball. That was a couple months ago that at some point this core, if it is truly special, which I think a, a number of people believe, at some point it does take a leap and all of a sudden just wins games. And I, I think a lot of times we think of a team getting better and, it's it's very nice progress every year. You add a couple wins, and then all of a sudden you're up into the 50s and 55. But that's very rarely the reality. There's large there's large jumps and fluctuations in performance. So if 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 the Bucks do <laughs> make, the, I mean, if at some point they're a very good team, it's because of a leap from the big three. And yes, I'm sorry for calling it the big three, but from the big three, if they get significantly better, 50 wins would be that ceiling. Um, and I know during that podcast, I cited the Thunder and when they jumped from 35-ish to 50-ish, I believe it was, um, it, it can just happen overnight. So I'm willing to say the ceiling is there. I will say that I don't think the ceiling is particularly likely, but if we're going to talk about ceilings, 50 is probably where it's at. Yeah, and I have, I, you know, I haven't even thought about 50. I'm, I've generally been saying like as an expected or, or solid outcome, low 40s would be good. Yeah. And I, again, I don't know if that. I, I think there's a good chance that doesn't get you into the the playoffs in the East. Uh, but I think that might be a reasonable outcome. And I just think it's a fascinating thing. I mean, I was just making some notes here. I, you know, you look at the kind of current uh, structure and where teams were last year. You know, Atlanta and Miami. I think we're both at 48 wins. I think those teams both get worse. Chicago, I think, gets worse. Uh, I mean, they could still be a 42-win team, which is what they were last year with Wade, Rondo, uh, joining Jimmy Butler, and, yeah. and then, um, you know, who do they wait? Who do they have at center now? Lopez. Besides Felicia, oh, Robin Lopez, yeah, who's solid. But I, I mean, it, there's so much turnover there, and and I just don't know how that works out. I mean, D Wade's probably going to miss 20 games as usual, so that's just going to be a weird team. Um, I think the teams that are are 
like definitely going to be better. I think the Bucks are definitely going to be better in part because they yep. shouldn't have been as bad as they were. Washington has to get better. I mean, getting rid of Whitman and bringing in Brooks. I mean, I don't think Brooks is a world, world beater, but I think they have to get better. And then I think Orlando has got to get better too. I mean, they've had a weird offseason. I don't want to make this an endorsement of their offseason um, <laughs> because – I, I just thought, I mean, the, the weirdest thing about Orlando is they're kind of like the Bucks in the sense that they have a really good offensive center who is a negative defensively in Vucevic. And they had, you know, they have Peyton, who's kind of MCW-like in that he's such an issue, he has such issues shooting that it doesn't almost doesn't matter what else he does, that it just kind of makes everything else awkward. And it just seemed really weird because it was like, okay, they trade Oladipo, who's pretty good. Yeah. But they trade Oladipo, which seems like you're doubling down on Peyton, and they get Ibaka, which seems like you're doubling down on Vucevic because you're bringing in a shot blocker to play next to him. Yeah. And in the process, you're also compromising the fact that Aaron Gordon should be your starting power forward. Yeah. And so it's just like, what? I don't know how these guys are going to mix together. And then you add Biombo, and it's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's strange. you know, I mean, I like and I like Biombo, right? If you had Biombo and not Vucevic, then that, that could be interesting. I mean, if you had Biombo uh, and Mibaka or Biombo and Eric Gordon. That would be Gordon, fascinating. Yes. That would be fascinating. That's a phenomenal defensive combination. Um, but I don't know. It's just a weird a weird set of actors <laughs> kind of going together. And, but, and I know I'm going to speak to your heart here uh, as a Vogeliever. Yeah. Uh, Frank Vogel coming in for Scott Skiles, that's got to be worth wins. It I does. think they're going to defend more. Um, I think they're going to be a good defensive team. And I think similarly for the Bucks. I mean, if they're going to be into the mid-40s or even touch the ceiling of what they can do, that's going to be from a big defensive improvement. And, you know, again, I think then you start getting into these conversations about, okay, is Greg Monroe still around? <laughs> you know, yeah. are you doing that? And that, that's kind of where I think it becomes a little harder to talk yourself into the Bucks reaching their ceiling. But I think Orlando almost has to get better in spite of just the massive weirdness. And I think part of it's just going to be from them probably making some additional trades um and then kind of the other teams that are in there that that you know detroit was was pretty good last year they're young you assume they win more games but they don't really have any sort of transcendent player other than drummond and drummond's yeah. just sort of a weird guy because you can't really run stuff through him um and then you've got charlotte which was obviously good last year they're getting mkg back they brought back you know pretty much the team that that got them there so they should be fine but I just don't think they're like a super high ceiling team because I just don't think they have any really special players. And I think the Knicks are going to be better probably, but yeah. they're still kind of weird. Um, the Pacers like, I, are probably worse. The Pacers are weird because they're kind of the, I think they're kind of the opposite of the magic in that, you know, they lost Frank Vogel. They bring back Nate McMillan. Who Can Nate McMillan be a good coach in 2016? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. And they downgraded, I think, from Mahinmi to Al Jefferson. Yep. And it's not to say that Jefferson can't be useful, but I don't know. Like, is that team gonna lose the defensive edge it used to have? And I don't think I don't think Teague is better than George Hill. You know. Um, yeah. So it's just weird, and I, I think if they could move Monte for anything, that would probably clear up some of the concerns a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they also lost Solomon Hill for nothing. Uh, so I mean, you're obviously banking on on George being great, which I assume he will be, and then Miles Turner making some big strides, which I think is a reasonable guess. But yeah. I don't know that that team is just a weird team to me, um, and I don't really think they're fundamentally a lot more talented than a team like Washington or, you know, uh, uh, George is really the differentiator 
for a team like that over a team like the Bucks to me. But I mean, I would still certainly take the and I'll take the Bucks long term over the Pacers. So it's, so in uh, totality, what we have is a lot of weirdness from three, no four, no maybe three to what are we gonna say? Thirteen, twelve? Yeah, I w- I was gonna say like four to thirteen is weird because I'm putting the top three is is clearly going to be better than the Bucks, um, and then I mean I think teams like I mean I think Charlotte will be better than the Bucks. Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anybody else that I would say is a lock to be better than the Bucks, um, but I think uh, so. I think maybe from five to thirteen is like this massive range that the Bucks could fall in, and if they, I mean this is the problem, right? If they end up thirteenth and it's because they're a thirty-eight win team, then I think you got to start really asking questions about. What is it about this mix of players yep. that is leading you there? And hopefully, it's not because you know Jabari and Giannis weren't good. Hopefully, it's because you couldn't trade Greg Monroe and you were still bad at defense. But, um, but anyway, that's uh, that's a wormhole that I'm sure we will <laughs> dive into many times for the rest of the summer. Yeah, no, the, the it's kind of strange. I I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, but it just seems like there's so much roster turnover in three through. 3 through 13 in the east. I mean, you look at all those teams and you struggle to find anyone that's stayed relatively consistent. Like the Wizards maybe have been somewhat consistent, but even they lose a guy like Dudley. The Pistons have been kind of consistent, but even they've moved some pieces around and same thing with Charlotte, like major major changes from 3 through 13 in the east. And obviously we can talk about the Nets and Sixers making changes, but that they're just irrelevant. So, we're not going to talk about it, but it, just insane roster turnover from all those squads. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting. I think next year, you know, you just hope the Bucks can kind of get back into that fray of playoff competition. And then uh, I think the year after that is where you, you hope that just the fact that the Bucks have some higher ceiling players than the rest of these teams, that that's where you can kind of really start to, to make that leap up. You know, the people talk about when do they become a top four team. I don't think it's this summer, this year. I think uh, if you're going to do that, I think you, you want to put yourself on course for that the year after. So anyway, yeah. I think we're going to wrap up another uh not super long podcast um thanks for listening again uh we are going to try to keep these podcasts coming we'll give us your feedback uh check out our subscriptions write us a review that would be super helpful um we may have to start stealing jeremy our friends jeremy from from Bucksketball. they used to they used to read out uh you know shout out people who give them good reviews yeah so we may have to do that we may have to do that because we're we're starting a new podcast so we don't have any reviews right now yeah so we need some help um so do us a solid we really appreciate it we will shut you out uh if you give us an itunes review and um you know subscribe to us on itunes rss etc and uh thanks for listening and reading and keep the questions coming and we'll hopefully have a lot more question answers over the course of the summer take care